Please take out your message notes. When you came in, you should have received some uh, a bulletin. And in there, there's some message notes for you to follow along. And so you can take notes. All the verses that we're going to be reading today are all there. And like Burial said, we're going to be talking about um, prayer. And uh, we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 21. And today we should be able to wrap up chapter 3. And you have a new homework assignment. Guess what it is? Chapter 4. All right, you can start reading chapter 4 during the week. I hope you guys are enjoying this series as much as I am, as you're really like digging deep into God's um, Word. Now listen to this. One of, one of the most intimate moments that you can share with someone, right? There's a, there's a lot of things. You, you can hug someone. You can uh, give someone a, a kiss or uh, give them a gift, right? There's, there's lots of like moments of, there's a lot of intimate moments that you can share with someone um, but one of the most intimate moments that you can share with someone is a time of prayer. It's to actually pray for them. It's one of the most intimate things that you can do. And at the same time, it's also one of the most powerful things that you can do for someone. It's to pray for that person, to pray for them and pray with them. It's super powerful and it's really one of the most special moments that you can share with somebody. You know, it's no secret for me that this journey of planting the church has been extremely, extremely difficult. Man, it's a wonderful journey, and it's one that I'm super happy to be on, but there's, it's a road with a lot of bumps. There's a lot of highs, and there's a lot of lows. And I remember one Sunday morning, before we even publicly launched, we were meeting in our living room, and, uh, and I just remember being there in my living room, and there was literally only a handful of us there, if you can say that. I can count it on one hand. And it was just very few of us there in my living room. And, and you tend to feel all these types of emotions. And you tend, to, you tend to feel a lot of different things. And at that moment, I felt discouraged. I really felt hopeless. And I felt confused. I was like, God, are, are you sure that I mishear you? Did you really call me to this journey to plant the church? Is this really what you're calling me to do? Because I'm not seeing a lot of fruit. And I felt very discouraged in that moment. But I'll never forget when two guys that were there during this time of worship, right? We were worshiping. We had the TV on. And we had the worship going on and the TV. And we're standing up. And I didn't even communicate this. I didn't say anything to anybody. Just These were emotions I was feeling deep down inside. Discouraged. And I was like, God, what am I doing? And, and these two men, they came during this time of worship. And, and they laid hands. They, they put their hands on my shoulder. And they started to pray for me. And they started to pray, and, and just tears started, you know, um, um, rolling down my eyes and their eyes. And they just started praying for strength, and they started praying for encouragement. They started praying for faith. And right there in my living room, before we even publicly launched, is way before that, you know, these two men, I guess, sensed, you know, felt, felt led by the Lord to come and share this moment with me and to pray with me and to pray for strength and encouragement. Their prayers were so helpful for me in that moment. And why, why it's so important is because of this. In your notes, you can write this down. Prayer matters. Prayer matters. And, and, and Paul's going to give us a reason why prayer matters. We're going to open up uh, these two verses. This is what he says in, in chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. This is what it says. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Right? For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Kneeling is a posture of reverence and respect and honor. And, and he's kneeling before the Father 
A lot of people kneel before God in prayer, and that's what Paul is doing. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, verse 15, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Did you guys catch that? Prayer matters because of who we're praying to. You see, if we were praying to an inanimate object, if we were praying to a wall, or if we were praying to a statue, then prayer wouldn't matter. But we're praying, when we pray, we're praying to the Almighty God. To the one that Paul says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. In other words, we pray to the sovereign God, the all-knowing God, who knows your name and my name. And knows everybody by name. Because He is the one who hears our prayers. Prayer matters. And it's important. Because He is the one that is listening. And it's so important for us that we make time to intentionally pray for one another during our life groups. It's so important. And that's why we try our hardest to create a safe environment so that we can share prayer requests and intentionally spend time praying for one another. It's one of the most special things that I love about life groups. Because we can intentionally spend time in prayer for one another. And today, as we continue in our series through the book of Ephesians, we're going to look at Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. This is his prayer that he's praying for these believers there in Ephesus. And here's why this is so special. This is why it's so special. Paul is obviously a very important person to these people, right? He's a very important person to the believers in Ephesus. So what we're about to read is the prayer of a pastor for those that he's loved, for those that he's discipled, and even for some that maybe he's led to Christ himself. We're about to read the prayer of a pastor, of a, the heart of the man that really loves and really cares for these people. So, so let's listen in to Paul's prayer and see if we can pray some of these prayers ourselves, okay? So as we look at these prayers, as we read these prayers that Paul is praying, these four specific things, let's see if maybe we can pray some of these things to ourselves. And this is super special. Imagine if you can get a, a hidden mic, mic up your pastor during the time that he's praying for you. And when you're not there and you can listen in to those prayers, you can listen into the prayers of someone that cares about you and loves you, that's kind of what we're going to be able to hear today. We're going to hear Paul's prayer for the believers in Ephesus, people that he loved, people that he discipled, and some that he even personally led to Jesus himself. All right? Are you guys ready for this? Here's what Paul prays. Number one in your notes, he prays for inner strength through God's Spirit. Inner strength through God's Spirit. This is the way he says it. You should have it there in your notes. In verse 16, he says, I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. This is a powerful, powerful prayer. Have you ever experienced a time when you needed inner strength? Inner strength. When there was a time when you were deeply wounded and hurt and broken hearted. I'm not talking about a cut or wound that you can see from the outside or pain in your neck or back. I'm talking about a deep hurt deep down inside in a place that nobody else can see but God. 
Have you ever experienced a time when you needed inner strength? I dare to bet that there have been times in your life when you found yourself at your lowest point, where you found yourself at a very deep and dark place. I bet there's been times when you struggled with a deep and sincere pain deep down inside and tears that maybe didn't shed on the outside that really you cried from the deepest part inside of you and nobody else knew about it. Even those closest to you. Do you know what you need in those moments? Do you know what you need in those moments when you're going through those deep hurts and those difficult times? You know what you need? You need this. You need to be strengthened with power in your inner being through His Spirit, through the Spirit of God. You know, I dare to bet that even amongst us today, you might be in a very low season in your life right now. On the exterior, maybe you attempt to cover it all and hide it behind a smile, but internally, even right now, perhaps there's turmoil and hurt. You know, for the believers in Ephesus, perhaps they were facing, you know, intense opposition and persecution for their beliefs and, and temptation. They were living in a very pagan uh, society. And so perhaps there was a lot of temptation around them as well. For you, it might be bro a broken heart. It, it can be a broken view of yourself or broken emotions and thoughts. Then for you today, I pray for inner strength through God's Spirit. Or perhaps you find yourself in financial hardship or an attack on your personhood. Maybe you're facing relational strife or you're experiencing hardship in the family or, or difficulty with finances or, or what have you. Then for you today, I pray for inner strength through God's Spirit. When all hope seems lost, when you feel alone and broken, perhaps God is even closer to you than you think in that moment. In fact, I mentioned this this Tuesday at Life Group. We, we mentioned this verse. And I, I told you guys that in your hardship, in your difficulty, maybe God has never been closer. In fact, this is the way the psalmist said it. I would love if we would read it together. It's in your notes and up here on the screen. Would you guys read this truth? said to us from the psalmist in Psalm 34. Ready? Read. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Are you brokenhearted? Are you hurt? Then perhaps God has never been more closer than He is right now. We pray, together we pray, for inner strength through God's Spirit. Here's the second thing that Paul prays for, number two in your notes, is for Jesus to dwell in your heart through faith. For Jesus to dwell in your heart through faith. It's exactly what he says, verse 16, 17, I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You know, guys, we live in such a transient city, right? The, the metropolis of the world, the, 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 the crossroads of the world, and this city is very transient. Many people come here, they, they live here for a few months, and then they move out. They live here for a few years, and then they're gone. Or because of gentrification in communities like ours, you know, people are displaced, and they can no longer afford to live where they live, and they're not able to live here for any particular reason, and they have to move out. And so we live in a very transient city. We live here for a while, and then we move. But Paul here, he paints a very different picture for us. 
He, he prays that Jesus would dwell in the heart of the Ephesians. And the Greek word, if you want to circle the word dwell, right there in your notes, notes carries a different connotation than what perhaps we think. You know, for us, we may hear dwell, and we say, oh yeah, yeah, I get it. Sure, you, you live in a place for a little while, and then you up and leave. Right? I dwelled in this house. I lived there from 2007 to the present, and then I had to move. Like I had to go somewhere else. Right? For us, that's kind of the way we may translate dwell. But in the Greek, the word dwell means this. It means to properly settle down as a permanent resident. To properly settle down as a permanent resident. It's to give Jesus, by faith, a home in your heart, a home in your soul, a home in your everything forever. It's to have Him dwell in your heart. It's not to live in a place for a little while and up and bounce. It's to have a permanent residence. Here's how this is important, okay? Because many people have a head knowledge of Jesus. They, they know about Him. They, they've heard about Him. They know who He is. They recognize the name. They, they've seen the, major, the manger scene in Christmas time. They may even know that He was a good teacher. And he was a good prophet and, and a miracle worker. He did lots of great things. He taught a lot of great lessons. They may even respect Jesus. But it has not traveled down from their head and into their heart. Others have an emotional connection to Jesus, okay? They, maybe they love the idea of Jesus. You know, some enjoy the heebie-jeebies when they're in church and their favorite song comes on and they get goosebumps and their hairs on the back of their neck stand up and they really love that when they hear that song on the radio. You know, for some it means that when everything's going great, then they're in church, they have hands lifted high, and they're worshiping God, they're giving, they're serving, they're involved. But the moment that struggle appears... They abandon communion with God and communion with others. Still others, when everything's great and there's money in the bank, they're nowhere to be found. Right? Their seat is empty. But the moment tragedy strikes, they run to God. They read the Bible. They go to church. They go to life group. They, 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 as soon as tragedy strikes, they come running towards that. You see, either, either way you fall on, it's an emotional connection to Jesus Paul is not praying that you have a head knowledge of Jesus, that you have an emotional connection to Jesus, that when things are great, you're here. When things are not, you're gone. That's not what he's saying. Here's what Paul is saying. He's praying that Jesus would dwell in our hearts. You see, if Jesus truly lives in our hearts through faith, then there are ramifications of that relationship. It's not simply a head knowledge or acknowledgement. It's not just an emotional relationship or connection. No, Jesus dwells in our hearts and there's implications on how we live and our affections turn toward Jesus. So where do you fall on the line? Do you have a head knowledge of Jesus but He hasn't traveled down into your heart? Do you have an emotional connection to Jesus? Then let's pray, we pray, for Jesus to dwell in our hearts, to have permanent residence in our hearts. Here's the third thing that Paul prays. He says this, to be rooted and established in love. To be rooted and established in love. Here's how he says it in verse 17 and 18. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love. So he prays that we would be rooted and established in love. 
You know, the foundation of any building, of any structure, is the most important part of its construction. And for us as followers of Jesus, the bedrock of our foundation or the foundation of our faith is the fact that God loves us, that He loves you. And unlike other world religions and other beliefs of, of people, even in our own neighborhood that believe different things, God is not a distant force. He's not a distant force that's not to be reckoned with, to be scared of. He's not an impersonal force. Someone who doesn't know you, who is emotionally distant and who doesn't know your name, who's emotionally distant from those that He rules over. No, that is not God. God. In fact, the Bible says that God is love. If, if it's who He is, it's, he, he is full of mercy. He, he is kind. He is a benevolent God who loves you and I dearly. He is, a, like we sing many times, we've sang in this church, He is a good, good Father. It's who He is. And He loves His children dearly. And because of this, we can be firmly rooted and established in, Liz, in this love, in His love. And as a result, being rooted and established in love, in the love of God, we can share this love with others and with one another. In fact, this is the way uh, John said it in 1 John 4.19. It's a super short verse. I would love for you guys to read it with me. It's in your notes or on the screen. Ready? Read. We love because He first loved us. We love because He first loved us. And since the beginning of this church, we've said that we wanted to be a church, a people of God set on loving God, loving people, and what? And serving our community. Love God, love people, serve our community. You see, we love God because He first loved us. He has shown an infinite amount of love and mercy to us. Our only reasonable response is to love Him in return. We love people because we've experienced such great love that it bubbles up inside of us and it overflows. We, we've experienced so much mercy, so we extend mercy. We have experienced forgiveness, so we extend forgiveness. And this is why as a church, we work so hard to build relationships and to be involved in each other's lives. This is why we create space for life groups so that we can share love. This Wednesday, we've had an awesome semester of life groups. It's six Wednesdays. It's our last Wednesday. I would love, love, love for everybody to show up for this last life group so that we can celebrate all that God's done in these past six weeks. It's happening this Wednesday at, at 7 p.m. And Stephen's going to continue to share a little bit more with you a little bit later on. But please, I would love for you to come out. Because this is, our, this is how we put this on display. This is how we are rooted and established in love. Because we're rooted and established in God's love, we can love and serve one another. And this is why we serve our community. We serve our community for two reasons. First, because we want to show God's love. Right? From a heart of gratitude, we dedicate our lives to service. Not to earn God's approval, but from God's approval. And secondly, because we want others to experience God's love. We want to show God's love. We want, to, we want others to experience God's love. We want to share with others the same faith, the same hope, the same mercy that you and I share, the same forgiveness. We want them to experience it as well. We want to welcome our neighbors into community and into family. 
And I want you to look at every empty seat that's in here today. And I, will, I want to see every seat filled with people from our community because they, because they were shown the love of God and because they wanted to experience the love of God. In fact, October 28th, Stephen just finished mentioning, I'm going to reiterate it. We're hosting a kindness outreach and we would love for, for all of you to, to show up and to be a part of it. Because it's an opportunity now because you've experienced God's love to show God's love to people in our community. And we're only going to be there for an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And we're going to be passing out M&Ms and invite cards and inviting people to church. And the reason for that is because people are so hurried and stressed out. We want to pause them for a minute, put a smile on their face, give them a free little packet of M&Ms. And uh, tell them God loves you, invite them to church, invite them into community. In fact, you might even have an opportunity to pray for somebody right there on the street or share the gospel with them right there on the street, which is why we call it servant evangelism. And so I would love for you to come out so that we can show God's love. You see, because we are rooted and established in love, we can show God's love to others. So we pray, we pray this. This week, I want you guys to pray this, that we may be rooted and established in love. Are you guys ready for number four? Here's the fourth thing that Paul prays. He says this, to know the magnitude of God's love. To know the magnitude of God's love. Here's how Paul says it. He continues to pray uh, verses 18 and 19 in chapter 3. He says, I pray that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God let me ask you guys a question how big is God's love how big is it in fact in your minds I want you to picture if you can if you can size up God's love in your brain how would it look how big would it be would it be as big as an elephant, as big as a building, as big as the World Trade Center? How big would you make God's love in your mind? Because you see, I love the language that Paul uses here to describe how great and how big God's love is. He uses dimensions. He doesn't compare it to any one particular thing because he wants us to think, huh, what is the length? What is the width? What is the height? What is the depth of God's love? And the idea is to think that there's no ruler big enough on earth to measure God's love. Because God's love is so big that there's just no way to put dimensions to it. So how big, how wide, how high, how deep is God's love? How, there's, there's no container on earth big enough to hold it. There's no space in the universe large enough to place God's love. And the idea Paul paints here is that it's immeasurable. God's love is immeasurable. Guys, listen to this, okay? The God of the universe, your creator, the sustainer of all things, your helper, loves you. He loves you. He doesn't have to, but he does. God loves you. And this is so important for you to hear this. Because for many of us, we struggle with an image of God, thinking that He's gunning out to get us. 
He has it in for us and He wants to severely punish us. But Paul here is saying that He wants you to know and comprehend just how much He loves you. And it's an immeasurable love. God loves you. And this is the way the psalmist says it. I want you to read it and I want you to feel God's love as we read this verse. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? Go. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His faithful love towards those who fear Him. How much does He love us? As far as the heavens are above the earth, that's how great God's love is. How high? How high are the heavens from the earth? Because that's how much He loves you. That's the distance that God traveled to show you His love. As high as the heavens are from the earth, He traveled that distance to show you His love. In fact, that's what the gospel is. That's exactly what the gospel is. That God so loved you that love came down. The distance of the heavens from the earth. Love came down to rescue you and to rescue me. Because our sin eternally separated us from God. But because God loved you, He sent Jesus to pay the price and the penalty for our sin. And the price for our sin was death. Jesus was whipped. Jesus was beaten. He was battered. He was bruised. His wrists and His feet were nailed to a Roman cross and He died. He died in our place. The punishment that you and I deserve, the wrath of God that we deserve, Jesus took it upon Himself. And because He lived the life that we couldn't live, a perfect and sinless life, He and only He could pay the penalty for our sin. There was nothing else that can pay that penalty. And in His death, we obtained the forgiveness of our sin. But He didn't remain dead. He conquered Satan's sin and death and He rose from the grave. And in His life, we experience newness of life. So how big is the love of God? How big is His love? It's that big. His love was demonstrated through Jesus on the cross. And all we need to do to experience His love is accept this free gift of grace. And we always make this invitation every Sunday. If you haven't done this, then I want to invite you to do it. In fact, if everybody takes out their connection cards, on the back of your connection card, there's a space that says, Make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that, I invite you to check it off. Because we want to follow up with you, and we want to help you and encourage you to take those next steps. For the rest of us, there's a next step for us today as well. To read Ephesians 4, to, to, to serve, to show God's love, October 28th. There's that next step for you as well. And I would love for you guys to pray these four things this week. I pray for each of you and for myself. I pray for inner strength through God's Spirit. For Jesus to dwell in your hearts through faith. For you to be rooted and established in love. And to know the magnitude of God's love. And so... Some of you guys know we're not done with chapter 3. There's some verses missing, right? Did you guys catch that? And as we conclude today, I'm going to ask you all to join me in praying. Usually we, usually we wrap up. I say, can you join me in prayer? And I'll pray 
a prayer over all of us. Today we're going to finish up differently. Because Paul wraps up chapter 3 with this beautiful doxology. He wraps it up with this beautiful doxology. And that is that he wraps it up with a prayer of beautiful praise to God. And so I would love for all of us to read out the ending of chapter 3 in this prayer. This, this prayer of praise as a prayer to God today. Would you guys like to join me? We'll read this, and this will be our prayer today as we close our time in, in God's Word um, this, this morning, okay? So we're going to read it, the last two verses in chapter 3, and this will be our prayer to God, this beautiful prayer of praise. You guys ready to pray? All right, ready, go. Now to Him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.